Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. We often talk on this program about entrepreneurship and about uh, ways to attract new business uh, to the Mon Valley and into the Pittsburgh uh, area in general. And often we get the rosy side uh, of the story. We get the exciting side of the story because, after all, that's what people want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about some of the difficulties, though. And our guest this week has a familiarity with Pittsburgh and with the Rust Belt and with entrepreneurship. He is John Biggs. He's an author, blogger, entrepreneur. He's written five books. You can check those out at johnbiggsbooks.com. He's a uh, Carnegie Mellon graduate, also grew up in uh, South Central Ohio, so very familiar with the Rust Belt. Uh, Good morning, John. Howdy, howdy. And um, you had a thread on Twitter. I, I had been threatened. I had been threatening to talk to you for a while, but you had a thread on Twitter recently that I really said I got to get John on here, and um, the Chamber of Commerce is not going to be too happy with me. But oh, what the heck! You, you pointed out, and this is what I want to talk about mostly for this half hour: is some of the difficulties of trying to get uh, tech businesses to come to the Rust Belt, and I would include Pittsburgh in that. Before we mm-hmm. get into that, though. Tell us a little bit of your background. Tell us your story. Where where did you grow up at? So I grew up in uh, Columbus. My grandma lived in uh, Martin's Ferry, across from Wheeling. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty familiar with the uh, with the Rust Belt. I guess you could call it. I mean, for me, it wasn't was it wasn't the Rust Belt. It was a it was a great place to grow up. It was a great place to me too. We used to go we used to go down to the uh, to the steel mill uh, with a BB gun and shoot uh, grasshoppers. I'm not sure if you're allowed to say that these days, but yeah, we used <laughs> I think my the dad like, limitations is up. This yeah, wasn't last yeah. week, was it? No, this was okay. well. This was this was a fairly consistent, uh, okay. consistent reign of terror that I had. Okay. I mean, look, it, it was it was fun. I I I spent my I spent my summers in the woods. I spent my summers down by the river. I spent my summers uh, wandering in a little town that was exactly where I wanted to grow up, uh, exactly where I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, and over time, I would go back to Martin's Fair, I'd go back to Columbus, I'd go back to these different places and things, and they would change. And they've changed consistently, and they've changed considerably. And now I basically live in uh, Brooklyn, and I basically have recreated the Martin's Fair experience in the heart of this city because we walk everywhere. We walk to the movie theater, we walk to the toy store, we walk to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And I'm honestly very, very worried for a little town like Martin's Fair. I'm more very worried for about McKeesport. I'm very worried about even to a degree of Columbus, uh, being able to survive in the next, uh, the, the post-information age, uh, when humans aren't going to be doing a lot of this information, the grunt work of sitting in cubicles and, and pressing buttons when robots are going to replace them uh, in ways that we can't even imagine. And then I see a lot of, uh, I see a lot of mistakes being made on the same front. Um, I see a lot of mistakes being made by, um, I guess you could say, Chamber of Commerce folks, mm-hmm. investor, invest, investment efforts, uh, Ohio has has a few of them that I've mm-hmm. seen, and they're just completely ridiculous. Pittsburgh, for its for its um, because of its universities, is doing the best 
out of all the places that I've seen. Which is why uh, Pittsburgh often gets held up as mm-hmm. this model of, of a renaissance, of a technical renaissance for Rust Belt communities, right? But I wouldn't even argue it's a renaissance. I would argue that it's always been there, just kind of floating underneath. Obviously, back when back when uh, when Kaichek and, uh, and and O'Leary were hanging out by the uh, at the steel mill, that was a whole different animal. But over time, and when I was there in 93 or whatever, uh, that's when everything was turning around. That's you, when you went to Carnegie Mellon, you were, you were looking at the future. I was seeing stuff that I was seeing stuff that I, that that's commonplace today, but was wild back then. Um, and that's still the end, but I, I think that's the entire city that's, that's encouraged that. And I've gone back recently. We went out to, um, uh, what's the place where the, uh, where Uber is now and everything. Uh, Hazelwood. Uh, yeah. Hazelwood. Yeah. yeah. I went out to Hazelwood. My buddy works a cat. I go out there. Uh, and it's beautiful and it's really, it, that's exactly what needs to happen, but that's exactly what never happens, uh, in multiple cities. Well, and, it's, and, 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 and if I can just interrupt you for a second, John uh-huh. Biggs is our guest this morning, johnbiggsbooks.com. Uh, John has been a tech journalist for a number of websites. Uh, which websites can people see you at most often now? Uh, TechCrunch. I've been on TechCrunch for about uh, 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about to start over at Coindesk, which is a cryptocurrency site. Okay. Um, so you, you, you've and, and but you've also started a number of businesses. You have a business uh, called Cheap Transcription right mm-hmm. now that that I've taken advantage of, and I actually referred a couple other people uh, to it as well. So you you've been on both sides of this. You've covered yep, exactly the tech industry, and you've been part of the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of things that in, in what you just said that I would like to unpack. One of them is, you know, you talked about the entire city of Pittsburgh, but the, a lot of the development, and this is something that is starting to become an issue in the Pittsburgh area, as you're probably aware of, is that, yes, it's been the city of Pittsburgh. It hasn't been Beaver Falls, New Kensington, Manesson, McKeesport. There's still these pockets of deindustrialization that still pretty much look like they did in 1987 when the mill closed down. Well, no, actually, they would have looked better when Johnny Johnny Cash used to hang out down there. Uh, Yeah, no, it's uh, that that, that's and it's a sad it's a sad situation. I spoke to Richard Florida. He's the he's the thinker who used to be he was was actually lived in Pittsburgh. Yes, he did. Uh, And he could he could only speak. uh, He spoke very highly of the city. Uh, but I asked him point blank, what does Wheeling have to do to survive? And he basically said that Wheeling has to become a bedroom community for some Googlers. Uh, there has to be some kind of way for, for the connectivity or some sort of, I don't know, super fast train system, uh, to get them to the major cities. If you want the quality of life of living in a small town, like a Martin's Ferry, yet you want to actually be paid human money, uh, <laughs> you basically have to, you're basically going to have to work remotely. And a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people aren't able to do that. And I don't think that Google is going to sit there and say, let's make a wheeling branch, yeah. uh, just for kicks because the talent isn't there. Uh, the talent goes to Pittsburgh, the talent goes to Columbus, the talent goes to Chicago. Um, so there's a problem. We, we had Jacob Backrack on, uh, the program uh, a couple of months ago. It was before the Amazon HQ2 announcement uh or or farce depending on how you want to look at it was made and i kind of asked him because he blogs and and writes about a lot of these same issues for jacobin and and some other publications and i said what do you think of the amazon isn't this a great thing because all of our politicians and elected officials and community leaders are talking about what a great thing this would be if amazon uh located its second headquarters here and he said well first of all i don't think that's ever going to happen and Mm -hmm. he was correct and second of all he said 
where what do you think Amazon is going to bring in and how much are you going to have to give away from the store? It's look, I don't want I don't want to be Debbie Downer here. I honestly don't. I wouldn't I want it to be I want it to be in a position. I want us to be in a position where, yeah, absolutely. If I want to live in Wheeling, I should be able to work for Google. But I would require that requires uh, either educational infrastructure and Wheeling that allows uh, Googlers to be born there. Okay. Or some sort of system that encourages them to move there, to live there, and to, with fast internet to get them back to get them back to the main office, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's happening uh, faster than we think. We mm-hmm. have devices. I mean, we're talking over Skype right now, right. and it's clear, clear, it's crystal clear. And right. we basically, and I've, I haven't been in an office for about twenty years now, so it's been uh, so it's entirely feasible. Um, but I think there's a lot of problems in that. In that you, that we're encouraging a. We're encouraging a sort of uh, entrepreneurial attitude in these small places by creating these accelerators and these incubators and mm-hmm. these co-working spaces, uh, which are basically taking money from startups that don't have any money in the first place, and they're not giving anything back. So if I'm starting up in McKeesport, if I'm starting up even in Pittsburgh, let's say, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get – I'm not going to have angel access to angel capital. Mm-hmm. The people are going to tell me that absolutely there is angel capital. There's some rich guy who everybody knows who who hands out checks left and right. I'm not going to have access to that guy. And I, I've 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 seen this in multiple cities. There's always the there's always that guy who everybody talks about is the angel <laughs> of the of angel of the city. It's yeah. in Denver. It's in St. Louis. Yeah. It's everywhere. And he's he gives it out to his buddies. He gives it out to one or two uh, computer science graduates who who might have something that he could sell to his uh, to his friend in Silicon Valley. But the vast majority of time, he doesn't have any cash for, for regular ideas. So what am I going to do? I'm stuck. Uh, let's, unless, let's, let's, let's pause yeah. right there. I have a 30-second break to take. When we come back, let's pick it up right there. And let's also talk about the fact that I have heard over and over again for the last 15 or 20 years that one of the problems is everyone knows that guy in Pittsburgh or Denver or St. Louis or wherever. But often that guy is, in fact, very risk-averse. And he wants Mm -hmm. to bet on the sure thing. So when we come back, can we pick it up there? Sure, sure. Okay. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at Striffler's.com or call 412-678-6191. Welcome back. Our guest this morning is John Biggs. He is a graduate of Carnegie Mellon University, grew up in the south-central Ohio area, although we were talking a lot about Martins Ferry, Ohio, and and the Wheeling area, the Ohio Valley area. Uh, Very familiar with the Pittsburgh area. He is a tech journalist and entrepreneur. You can read his work at TechCrunch and at other fine websites. You can also check out his books at johnbiggsbooks.com. When we took the break, we were talking about uh, the, the, some of the difficulties of attracting investment uh, if you are not in New York, Boston, or Silicon mm-hmm. Valley. What are the, I mean, is that still like sort of the big three, New York, Boston, and Silicon Valley? Seems to be. Uh, I mean, I've been to I've been to multiple cities. I've gone up and down the East Coast. I've been to Chicago. I've been to St. Louis. I've been to Denver, Boulder. Uh, everybody claims that they have a, have a really great uh, startup community, and and maybe they do if you're like going to make a logistics system for uh, shipping lines or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, something totally B two B that some some guy who made all his money selling Pepsi out yeah. of the back of a truck uh, can understand. And um, 
Not that there's and anything wrong with selling not Pepsi there's on the back of a truck. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm somebody, somebody who's in, somebody who knows that business, right? No, right. Somebody who knows that industry. But if we're talking about self-driving cars, if we're talking about biotech, if we're talking about uh, AI, that kind of thing, there's nobody in each of these towns that understands that and has and has a hundred thousand dollar check to to, to drop. One one, uh, one thing yep. that strikes me about entrepreneurship is that, but in this country, it does seem to have gotten very centralized. If you go back, I, I read a lot of business history. And when you go back, you see these, you know, big companies starting up in Binghamton, New York, or mm -hmm. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or Waukesha, Wisconsin, or even here in McKeesport, we had a number of, we had one publicly traded uh, company on the New York Stock Exchange, the G.C. Mm -hmm. Murphy Company. Um, so you had these companies that were out in these communities. Um, but then about the 1980s, 1990s, these corporate headquarters all bolted for mostly New York City, Right. So mm -hmm. that seems to me, I don't know whether that's a symptom or a cause of the problem you're describing. Well, look, I mean, if you're, if you're going to build a big business in Binghamton, uh, it, obviously it used to be a small business and it grew. Yeah. Uh, and it grew in a different way than businesses grow right now. Businesses are expected to scale to millions of users uh, or sales almost overnight to get any sort of growth capital. Yeah. Back then, if you had a product and you were selling it worldwide or, or just over across the nation, you sort of created your own flywheel. You had a CEO of the of the company in the who small town. Grew in grew there, went to college there, all that good he stuff. He had a bunch yeah. of buddies. Yeah. He had a bunch of buddies who he would pass out some cash to. Those guys would be able to spring out and they, and do um, – and it's the Detroit story. Yeah, uh, you basically much, had yes. You basically had guys who had Ford yes. who would pop off of Ford and start a windshield wiper business. Uh, accessories business, yeah. and they and they made they made a, a fortunes that way. Uh, can you do that now? Absolutely not. You really can't. Manufacturing in that in that in that capacity is gone. What you need is what Silicon Valley has. You need a guy who worked at Cisco, yeah. made his made his bones at Cisco, made a couple million, and is now just throwing it out willy nilly to smart kids from Stanford. And even that's unfair, deeply unfair. Uh, but it's the way things. It's the way of the world over there. Uh, and that's why you're going to get so much more coming out of uh, San Francisco than you are going to get out of McKeesport. Or even, again, larger cities, Milwaukee or Green Bay or, or mm -hmm. any of these other places that at one time had, hey, everybody works at, you know, if you're in Racine, Wisconsin, everybody works at Johnson Wax or whatever. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe in that case, they still do. But more and more, that's just not the case anymore. Dayton, Ohio is a city I'm very familiar with that had several corporate headquarters, Frigidaire, uh, uh, National Cash Register, um, and a couple other standard register, and they all packed up and National Cash Register went to Arizona, I think, or mm -hmm. Florida. And uh, obviously Frigidaire is a shadow of what it once was, and Delco Electronics is a shadow of what it once was. And, you know, the, the days when you could have a have a corporate headquarters in, in a Dayton, Ohio even, which is not a small which is not a town of the size of McKeesport, uh, seemed to have come and gone. And there's and there's actually a little company called Greyhill uh, in Chicago, outside of Chicago actually, uh, that's been there since World War Two. And they make switches. Quite literally they just make switches for like airplanes and yeah. cars and different things. Yeah. Uh, and these guys have been in business and they're still in business. But it's like uh, and it's a it's an absolutely it's a really great people who work there. Uh, but they're kind of stuck in amber. And if anybody cracks that amber, uh, they're going to lose that magic. I'm worried. Yeah. Uh, so you're, so you're, so how do you innovate in a small town? And I think the way you innovate is you basically, you, you live there, you exist and you spread outwards, uh, and you, and you, and you focus on the global, on the, uh, on the globe. So, so a startup is a small business with global ambition. Okay. Um, so you basically have to build a startup with that. 
ambition. Not a lot of people can do that. And not a lot of people, if you're faced with trying to feed the family in, in a small right. town, uh, how do you, how do you solve that problem? And I guess the problem is basically uh, the solution is remote work uh, of some sort, uh, where you, where you and a group of smart people get together and say, Hey, we're going to make programs or we're going to make apps. We're going to make something for the rest of the world. Come join us here. If yeah. you want, if you want to hang out. But you touched on something earlier in the conversation, and that is, you know, um, the information based that, 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 you know, if, if you if you want to have Googlers and you want them in Weirton or mm-hmm. East Liverpool or McKeesport, you know, they can work remotely now. But you, you touched on something that I, I don't think people understand that this train is coming down the track and it's getting closer and it's accelerating. And that is that a lot of these information based jobs are going to be automated. Now, you cover the tech industry. Lots of jobs already, lawyers are having trouble finding jobs because a lot of things that lawyers used to do, like sit there and review, mm-hmm. write and review contracts, for instance, or do title searches, a lot of those have been automated. Who all's job is going to be automated soon? Um, you could say somebody like a just a run-of-the-mill programmer, somebody who just programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost it's surprisingly easy to, to, uh, do that right now, uh, with a, with a computer. Uh, there, there are systems right now that allow you to basically tell a computer, okay, today I need to make sure that I have five, all the 5,000 of my customers are, are checked mm-hmm. and the system will learn how to check it automatically as you do it and just be able to recreate that. It's not even a scripting language. It's basically just you doing it very similar to the way you have uh, you have, you show a robot how to, how to turn a screw sure. and it'll do it automatically. Uh, so just being a programmer is no longer the way to go. What you need is you basically need somebody who can be a manager, somebody who can, who can, uh, corral the, the robots and the humans into sort of an augmented human, uh, human cyborg and build these products. Cause there's always going to be people needed to build an architect. Uh, but we don't need the, uh, we don't need the folks who can hammer the nails and, and put up the drywall anymore. I, I've, I've heard well, let's let's put a pin in that because that that metaphor might might or might not work. What I've heard though is in the information economy, any job that can be repeated more than once can mm-hmm. more, can be automated eventually. Yep. Um, truck drivers. You you mentioned Uber doing all this research in Pittsburgh. I think all how many different companies or major multinationals are in the space right now of self-driving vehicles. I think all Mm -hmm. of them at this point have a presence in Pittsburgh because they all want access basically to Carnegie Mellon talent. But my, my understanding is they're not, they don't want to necessarily automate your car or my car. They want to automate over the road trucking. Do they not? Uh, they honestly want to automate everybody's car. There's it one. There's, it, it doesn't make any sense to just automate the trucks, for example. Sure. Uh, Uh, you're going to mix uh, Joe Civilian in there. Yeah, once the truck. Well, what I can, what could I could imagine is I could imagine a situation like they did during the, uh, during the like the Stevedore sort of the the, the motion from Stevedore or the change from Stevedores to the to the uh, or longshoremen yeah. to the um, to the container, uh, where they basically said we're going to pay all your retired guys' pensions till they die, and we're going to bring in folks who can run the cranes and who can run the who can run logistics. And you basically have created different jobs, more jobs out of a few jobs that kind of sucked for hundreds of years. And I think the same thing's going to happen here. Eventually, you're going to have a situation where there has to be a human being on that truck watching to make sure that nothing's going to explode or whatever. Uh, and that's that's the probably the easiest solution uh, short term 
to solve that sort of uh, that sort of self-driving truck so problem. Kind, kind of like when when and, and we're going to take another break here. The time goes quickly. Um, kind of like when the railroads moved from steam engines to diesel mm-hmm. locomotives, they still had somebody riding on the diesel locomotive, but they didn't have to have someone shoveling coal. Yeah, into exactly. It yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but what is going to stop your local transit authority from automating their buses if the bus is on a fixed route? or on a busway like they are in Pittsburgh or your subway or your uh light rail vehicles. I think the I think the subway uh and the light rail are probably the first to go uh, and that's that's probably the easiest way that's probably the easiest system to automate. But those have been, uh, those jobs and what, the reason I bring this up those jobs have been a pathway to the middle class for people for 100 years. Uh, that's wonderful, but uh, I mean, so has uh, so was so was being a longshoreman, let's say, sure. right? Okay. Uh, and and that's that's going away. The the other thing to think about and I and I again that I don't want to be, I don't want to seem crass and I don't want to, I don't want to, I feel, I feel awful for the, for this situation. But I mean, the other thing to think about with the advent of computing, everybody said that all these jobs, the guy who was sitting in the, uh, in the, uh, records room in the basement mm-hmm. of the hospital, all the, the, the folks who are, who are maintaining all these, uh, the, all the these books, punch, the key punch operator, the key the, punch the, operators, the all these the folks. Bookkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where's the, uh, where are those folks now? They're out of jobs, but there, we've created millions of more jobs uh, who are basically key punch operators for for websites who are basically right. just right. plugging in data, maintaining a website, maintaining maintaining information. Uh, all the guys who used to be on the uh, on the trading floor at Nasdaq, they're gone. But now there's entirely new systems that these guys are building uh, that that can that are a lot faster and a lot more dangerous, obviously. Uh, but um, people really enjoy them, I guess. Let's let's pause right there. When we come back, I want to talk about. Uh, I want to ask about two things that are kind of wildly different, uh, one being the difficulty of getting broadband if you want to have a Googler in East Liverpool, Ohio, the difficulty that Googler is going to face getting a reliable broadband connection in, in many cases. And the second thing is then if you're sitting in McKeesport or Manesson or Charleroi, what exactly do you do? What are your options? Um, how should you be preparing for the next five or ten years? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Biggs is a, a, tech, a, tech, a technology journalist, I guess is the way to put it. He is a author of five books that you could check out at his website, johnbiggsbooks.com. Uh, and he is a, kind of a serial entrepreneur. He's our guest for a few more minutes here. You are listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. You know, we're looking for help in getting this show on the air and for help with other projects. If you're interested in the McKeesport area and you'd like to host a program or write articles for the website, call us at 412-614-9659 or email tubecitytiger at gmail.com. Welcome back. Our guest for just a few more minutes is John Biggs. He is an author, an entrepreneur, and a tech journalist. You may have read his work at TechCrunch and other fine websites, including Medium. Uh, and what was the website that uh, covers Bitcoin that you will soon be writing for? Uh, Coindesk. Coindesk. Oh, Coindesk. Um, yep. And you can check out his five books uh, at johnbiggsbooks.com. When we took the break, I asked you uh, two questions, one being... Uh, there are a lot of parts of this country that do not have decent broadband at all for any price. Not wired, not from the local incumbent phone company, not from the local cable company, and not from cell phones. So if you're in a place that does not have good access to broadband, 
your option is what? Just move? Yeah, move. Uh, that's it. I mean, look, what, what else are you going to do? It's almost impossible to, uh, it's almost impossible to do anything else out, out there. Uh, you can go work at the pizza place, but you got, you, you need, you need some sort of connectivity. Um, and okay, it's but, actually, okay. now you didn't want to, you said earlier in the, in the broadcast though you didn't want to be Debbie Downer, but, <laughs> but, but seriously though, if you're in, uh, we just drove, uh, through central West Virginia. Uh, it's mm-hmm. about three, four hours up uh, Route 19 and, and Route 79. And it's very ironic to me. There's this big sign outside of Morgantown that says, you are now entering the West Virginia Technology Corridor. And mm-hmm. my cell phone went from four bars to zero. I yep. mean, as as John, I heard Lieutenant Governor John Federer uh, recently, and he said his cell phone, he was someplace, his cell phone went from four bars to LOL. Um, mm-hmm. That's what my cell phone went from. And I'm thinking, this is the Technology Corridor. And it was like that for the entire then length of West Virginia. So what you're telling people there is you're just not going to have a job in the information economy unless you leave. You're just going to empty, like you're going to empty the, the state out. I mean, in that, in that very, very difficult case, absolutely. Um, the, uh, especially in Morgantown, Morgantown is university of West Virginia right. that they, they, I mean, my buddy went there, he, he really enjoyed himself, but I mean, I would love, I would love to, I would love to hear something out of the uh, university of West Virginia. Um, that's another interesting thing. A lot of these cities don't know how to, how to sell themselves. Uh, and that's actually part, that's the vast majority of the battle, right? So, so a place like Morgantown isn't selling itself as, as a place where innovation is being made. So a lot of innovation isn't coming there. And I don't understand why why they can't lay some fiber, why they can't uh, get some cell well, towers okay, up. Well, okay, but let me pause here, and I don't want to make this political. Mm-hmm. Sure, um, sure. But in many cases, as you know, the state legislatures, and I don't know for sure about West Virginia, but I'd be willing to put money on the idea, a lot of the state legislatures have forbade uh, municipalities from installing broadband. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's their own personal, like so, like a, a municipality, municipal broadband. Sure, obviously. right, right. Uh, that's because Verizon and those guys want to come in. And yeah, absolutely. You're, but what is, uh, what you're, is the inc- what is the incentive though for the privately owned third party company to go into Romney, West Virginia, or wherever? I think the I think the answer is the citizens have to vote with their have to vote with their dollars and they have to vote with their with their voices. Uh, I was listening recently about a. Uh, about uh, I think it was North Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, didn't have a grocery store, and they brought in one person. They brought in one, um, I guess, assembly person, and her whole mission was to get a grocery store in there. And the only reason why they didn't have a grocery store is they had so many dollar stores, sure. and all the dollar stores were coming in. They had eleven dollar stores in an area and creaming of, the creaming the profits off, probably. Yeah, there's there, that doesn't doesn't make any sense. So they, I think one very specific point, and this is this is off topic, but I think it's apt. I think it's apt here. Uh, one very specific point they made is that they you could get a, at the dollar store a dollar's can of four, fourteen ounce can of chicken noodle soup mm-hmm. that the grocery store was selling for a dollar fifty minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they got it from the wholesaler. Because and and Campbell's would actually make this soup for the dollar store yes. because it was like their little little stick. So yes. what she did is she said dollar stores have to be within a mile of each other. There can't be any more dollar stores in this area, and and then she got the promise uh, by a grocery store to come in and install. Uh, so the, the trick is, is you basically have to tell that town, the whole town has to say, we're all going to sign up for this thing if you bring it in. Uh, and at the very least, if they make enough noise, a Verizon is going to listen. A T-Mobile is going to listen. Uh, somebody's going to listen. You, you, you make, make a crazy amount of noise and say, look, we don't have this here. Give it to us so we can actually survive. 
and it's it should be a right. It should be a uh, it's it's not just a privilege anymore to have to have fast internet. It's not just about watching YouTube anymore. It's about actually getting work done. And we've gone way over time. Uh, we're gonna let um, we're gonna continue to talk. If you got a couple more minutes, and we'll put mm -hmm. the we'll put the um, longer version uh, on the website at uh, tubecityonline.com. Click on the podcast link. Um, and where where are the best places for people to follow you and to see what you're up to? You can follow me on Twitter at John Biggs, uh, and you can just go to John Biggs Books, check out some of the books. Uh, I post some news and things at different places. Uh, I'm on. I'm I'm fairly uh, I'm fairly internet uh, proficient, so I'm I'm all over the place. John, uh, pleasure to talk to you. And next time you're in Pittsburgh, uh, stop by and, and we will talk to you again. Okay. Sure, I want some Permani Brothers. At, we'll get you something even better than that, trust me. Uh, right, John Biggs good. has been our guest. You have been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes here, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. Thank you for listening. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport PA, 15134. You can email us at tubecitytiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online.